One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to Off The Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. Today's episode, my guest is Roman's uh, aka Sam Roman. Uh, Sam joins us from his home in LA. Um, oh, I mean, when when we start talking about the artists that Sam has, has written with and, and produced, it's an absolute who's who. And trust me, when when we get into the chat, I mean, there's a story that 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 he tells us about. You know, arguably with possibly the biggest artist in the world. Uh, and, and just a moment with that person that, that, that he goes into. It's just, it's the stuff of dreams. It, it really is. And it's, it's, a, it's a great chat. And, uh, and yeah, you're in for a treat. Before we get on with that, a few thank yous. Thanks to Scroobius Pip, everybody at the Distraction Pieces Network. Thanks to 76 for producing this podcast. Biggest thanks of all, go to you lot. Thanks ever so much for supporting the podcast. Um, you know, we're into 2022 now and, you know, this is what the third year I think of off the beaten track now. And it's been an absolute ball. You know, every week I get to sit down with people, you know, absolutely fascinating, creative people like, like today's guest, Sam, and just have these wonderful conversations. And, uh, it's just a bonus that I get to put them out and, uh, and you lot get to enjoy them as well. And, you know, you've been so kind in supporting and sharing and, and messaging, you know, what your thoughts are on the pod. So, yeah, so big love and thanks to you lot. Um, if you want to support the podcast, the easiest way to do that is uh, give us a, a like, love, a share, a retweet on all the socials. We're on Instagram. I say we, I'm on Instagram, um, Facebook and Twitter. And, uh yeah, and if you really want to support us, then um, subscribe uh, on your listening platform, and then you you won't miss any episodes. I try and put a few out each week. Um, and then if you really, really, really want to support us, uh, I have a Patreon, uh, which costs you seventy nine p a month, and for that seventy nine p, you'll get a back catalogue of another two hundred or so episodes, radio shows, all the video episodes. You can watch all the episodes over on Patreon, uh, and yeah, that seventy nine p goes in the pot to to help cover the cost of the podcast. So, uh, yeah, you can find out about all of this and everything else you need to know about the podcast at offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com. Anyway, I know why you're here. Please enjoy Off The Beat and Track Podcast with Romans. Sorry, I've interrupted the podcast, but with good reason. Hotel Chocolat are our sponsors. You know that now because I tell you about it every episode. But they've been super kind now. And you may have heard me talking about the products from the Cacao Bar. And there's gins, cream liqueurs, all sorts of wonderful chocolatey goodies. Um, And what they've done is they've set a page up on the website that you can go to. And all you've got to do is just for you off the beaten track listeners, go over there, answer a question, and you could win the full range delivered to your front door. I mean, that's kind of them. All you have to do is go to this place, hotelchocolat.com forward slash OTBT podcast. That's OTBT as in off the beaten track podcast, hotelchocolat.com forward slash OTBT podcast. Go get your grubby little mitts on some deliciously chocolatey drinks, courtesy of our sponsors, Hotel Chocolat. I'll get back to the podcast. (laughs) 
Just off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Keep me, stew with him. Okay, we are recording. Sam, how are you doing today? Very good, thank you, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm. I'm good, thanks. I'm good. Um, how's life? Where, where are you in LA at the moment? I'm in LA. Yeah, I've lived here for about three years now. So this is the new home. Is it? Is I mean, I've never been, but. I just hear it's quite a crazy place. Is that is that an exaggerated view on it, or are you generally just locked away in the studio? I mean, a little bit of both, but it, I I spend most of my days at my studio at my house. But uh, yeah, it's a mental place. It's yeah. like absolutely insane. Everyone's it, you don't. It's really rare to meet someone who actually grew up here. Everyone's here for a reason, and like yeah. it's the biggest rat race of all time. So was you there throughout the, the, the sort of lockdown? Yeah, I was locked down here. We didn't get back. Um, I'm here with my wife and our, we, during the lockdown, it was our two girls, but we just had a baby as well. Um, but we we were locked here for 18 months and couldn't get back to England. So it was a nightmare scenario, but made the best of it. And not the worst place to be locked up in the sunshine, but... Did you find it like a, a, a good? I mean, obviously you said you, you a, a baby as well, so I imagine you had your hands full. But the time that you did have, you know, that you could be creative. Did you did you find that a fruitful time to kind of you know get stuck in the studio and have maybe less distraction than, than you'd normally have in a, in a in a standard working week? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've got so my main focus around the same time as the lockdown was starting has been my label that I run with my manager Mark um and we are our main artist is a a girl called Elena Castillo and we had to pan this album in and finish loads of work so to be honest with you it was like the perfect scenario it was cleared the diary and just stayed in the studio and got everything done with her but then I also found that I was, you know, Zoom writing became a thing and people were shitting on it from an early, um, you know, from from the beginning of the pandemic and saying it didn't work. And I sort of was like, well, if you work with someone who can write a song on a guitar or a piano, actually, it's pretty, it's pretty similar to being in the room. It doesn't really make a difference. And what sure. I found was that you could write a song in two hours that would take nine hours in the room. And so it was, in, you know, it's incredible because you miss that whole physical getting to know you stage The like, should we go out and get lunch? Let's talk about how shit the industry is, all the usual things that happen before a session. And you sort of just get down to it and everyone wants to immediately get off the laptop. So you write as quickly as possible. And actually, creatively, that's a really good process that sort of takes away a lot of the burdens that trims off come- all the fat. Yeah, absolutely, and it like it was really fruitful. Well, let's start the playlist, and for track one, Sam, I'm going to ask you to tell me the song that you regard as having the greatest ever intro, please, mate. So, I remember trying to come up with these, and that was a particularly difficult one. This is the one that everyone says is the hard one. It's impossible because I could name you like a thousand songs. With brilliant- <laughs> you, you, you can chuck a couple of honourable mentions in if you want, mate. Um, I I chose the song by Brandy because it's it's not really my favourite intro, but it's such an interesting technique. What they did is not even the intro; it's at the end of track two, which is Full Moon, the title track on that album. Um, Rodney Jerkins or Dark Child, who was the producer basically the end of that song is him phoning her. So you hear like a very muffled, like phone voice and it's, it's Rodney calling Brandy up and saying, I've just come up with this song in the studio, this idea. And he starts playing the beat and suddenly you drop into the beginning of the actual song, which is the sort of, you know, the full high definition version of it. But that technique of playing someone, something, in a really small form is such an amazing thing. Like we, I, I try and do it with writing. I try and sort of like tease a melody or tease a, a, the phrasing of a, a word that's going to, a line that's going to come in the chorus. Because once, once you do that and someone sort of knows something, when they then hear it loud, it's like they've heard it a thousand times before. So 
I chose that one because that was that just sprung to mind. I've um, I've stumbled over this question for about three hundred and fifty episodes now, Sam, and I'm and I'm going to try and frame it as best as I can. But I'm always interested, certainly with people that that write and produce, um, talking about the, the way that people listen to music now and how that can influence and change the way that a song is written. And I just wonder, you know, when when I watch my children with the way they listen to music on their phones, them thumbs are rapid, man. And, uh, yeah. and and the attention spans, you know, appear to be getting a little yeah. bit shorter. And I just wonder how much of that seeps into, you know, I've had people on here that look at songwriting as a complete science and they're like, no, here's a formula, this works. And then I've had people that say, no, 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 no my intro is going to be four minutes of like, you know, guitar wank before I even get there. You know, there's yeah. there's so many different genres. and But within kind of, you know, more kind of mainstream, you know, commercial music, and, and and writing, you know, trying to write hits and stuff, and and for other people, like so you can see why I've never framed this question right because I just go off on a tangent. But where I'm going with it is like the kind of the way that people listen to music now, and the fact that it appears to be like right, just get all the fat off of this. Let's just get it to this. How much of that finds its way into your creative process when you're writing? Like it happens the whole time, and it's the. I don't really mind it. I, I read an article the other day where this musician was talking about exactly that. And I think that there are, um, there, I think that anything that forces you to do something creative is a, t- is a really good tool. Um, sorry, I've got loads of background noise. The, you know, it's, it, the format of songs now are almost going back to like the the kind of Beatles arrangements you're starting with choruses or you're having these like really impactful sections right at the beginning um and in terms of like look is it making us write better music probably not but is it forcing us to do things that we wouldn't have done if we had the ability to indulge a long intro or a, a really rambling verse section um that's another question. I, you know, I, I, I like anything that makes you do something you wouldn't have done. I just think it's, it's really, it's a good, there are like those, um, have you ever heard of oblique strategies, the cards that sometimes people have in studios that no. they'll say they're, they're these really cool playing cards. I think it's Brian. I think Brian Eno invented them and you'll pick one and it will say, start by writing the middle eight, or it will say like, write a song without the word the or like you know just yeah. weird things but creatively that really helps and i definitely i feel the same the same way about um you know writing for dsps and writing to being conscious of skip rate when writing especially when it comes to pop songs it, it, it's so weird you're, you're bang on the money like with what you said about it has almost gone back to you know that 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 kind of 60s approach like all the motown songs it's just like bang there's no fat on them is there they're just like two and a half minutes of hooks and just you know such infectious choruses and you know t- talking of intros and straight turn, i mean you look at something like help by the beatles it's like bang could you get any yeah. more in than the beginning of that song it is and it's short and to the point yeah okay well for track two, Sam, I'm going to take you back and I'm going to ask you, please, to tell me the first song that you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you, please. Wait a second, because I haven't got these answers in front of me. <laughs> okay, I can prompt you. I've got them in front of me. Uh, okay. Let, let me what did I say? Let's have a look. Let's have a look. Uh, what we got? What we got? Let's, let's pull this up. Again, because it's like, it's like saying, what's your favourite film? It's like impossible. I am aware that all of these answers could change in any given day or any given hour. And it's weird that we spoke about the Beatles because that's what you chose. You chose that in the Rigby. Yeah. I mean, and again, especially with the Beatles, because the Beatles are my absolute number one. And uh, I'm going through a whole emotional roller coaster watching the Get Back documentary at the moment. Oh, um, man. It's just beautiful, isn't it? Just honestly incredible. And especially as a writer watching it and just watching the, the, the evolution of these demos becoming like songs I've grown up listening to. Yeah. Just incredible. But yeah, Eleanor Rigby again, probably not even one of my like absolute top five Beatles songs, 
but it, I just remember it's the first time I listened to a song and really listened to lyrics. And I think I was probably six or something. You know, I've been, I was weaned on the Beatles. Yeah. And I just remember this, at the imagery in my head of like Father Mackenzie darning his socks and, uh, and just, it's a, you know, it's a sad song. It's a song about like, about all the lonely people. Yeah. Um, and I just, that's, I just, I think that's the first time I ever listened to something and realized that songs weren't just these like earworm things that yeah. you sing in the car. They're like, they're poetry. Um, so yeah, that was, that's, that's the one that definitely had an emotional impact on me. Was there always records on at home growing up? Yeah, very much so. Um, my mum was a huge music lover and followed around, you know, um, Bowie and Cat Stevens and Marvin Gaye and people like that on tour. So she really got me hooked from, I think, like four years old. One of my earliest memories was was um, was at school and I was, like, performing Hard Day's Night to like the whole class um and you know she got me into like stevie wonder and marvin and donny hathaway at, like a ridiculously young age and i sort of i think that's a big part of my my melody development definitely yeah where, where was home where was growing up i grew up in pinner which um is near sort of in between like harrow and watford um and is famous for being the childhood home of elton john okay how, how was it as a place, as a childhood home for you? Was it a, a happy place growing up there? Yeah, I loved it. I mean, I was, I'm the baby of the family. I had uh, 14 and 16-year-old brothers and uh, my cousin who lived with me, who was six years younger, six years older, sorry. So I was always the baby of the family and was very much, I think, you know, that's a big part of why my parents nurtured the musical side and allowed me to 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 go into it from, you know, I left school at 16 which in retrospect is probably not the most sensible idea for most people, but you know, they, they pushed me to, to follow my dream. And and I think that that often has a lot to do with being the, uh, the youngest. Well, let's, let's, let's talk about that because for track three, I'm going to ask you to tell me the song uh, that reminds Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You have your time at school. And uh, are you familiar with what you put for this one? Yeah, so I, I put Oasis, some might say. Um, I just, I remember like school being, in terms of my musical development, it was like going on the weekend and I really miss this like it's the same with shops and buying CDs like I feel I feel sorry that kids can't like save up their pocket money and go and buy one CD there's but a I, journey it's the journey isn't it oh, right. 100% and it's like having and buying something tangible that you can hold like it's such yeah. a big part that's missing I think now but I used to go to the music shop to like the musical instrument shop and I used to buy 
like a songbook so I could go and, and play it. And most of my, I, I was terrible academically, only like, just because I was fucking lazy and hated school. But um, <laughs> that'd do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, like, a lot of my time was spent like pretending I had a music lesson and then I'd just go and sit on my own somewhere and like play, learn loads of songs. So that like musical memory from school was going and getting those. And I used to get like a Bon Jovi like songbook or like Blur or Oasis or stuff like that. Um, and some might say, and like, she's electric. I just, for some reason, I always can picture myself in like the spare maths room where like there was, there wasn't a lesson on Wednesdays. I remember. So that was always my plan. I'd like get to there and there were no other lessons going on around in the surrounding room. So I could like probably go there and like play a few Oasis songs on my own. So that's the, yeah, that song is the one that always reminds me of school. So was that guitar you was playing? Yeah. Yeah, I think some might say it's their best pop song. I agree. I think that they, I think that people, it's the same with most bands. People, you think of Oasis, you think Don't Look Back in Anger, Wonderwall, Champagne Supernova, and people never met. Like, also, She's Electric, or like Cigarettes and Alcohol, like yeah. amazing pop songs, exactly. Yeah. What you said. Just like catchy melodies, really great titles. They're such a, they're, they're such a brilliant band. Because you've got the, uh, uh, you know, I'm just being a bit nerdy now, but you've got the obvious some I'd say bit, which is so good. Yeah. And then you've got that, because I'll be standing out there. You've got that second kind of, it goes again, and it's like, oh, you get like bang for your buck for this one. And yeah. And I think he does it again. I mean, I think Noel at that point, on that, you know, they say that, you know, certain songwriters have their, their moment where they're just, you know, it's just pouring out of them. The yeah. fact that he was using things like Acquiesce and Master Plan as B-sides makes yeah. you realise just how confident he was with his abilities at that point. And, and I think um, Master Plan's a, 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 another one that's got that chorus, then it goes again, it's just, it sort of doubles up. And it's, yeah, he was, uh, I think he was pretty untouchable at that point, Noel. Absolutely. And you can hear like that's it sort of goes back to the, the question before about um the sort of the DSPs and skip rate affecting the way that you, you write. But you know, the those Oasis songs in terms of arrangement, again, like so similar to the Beatles, which were obviously his biggest influence. Um, but it's like that's like a form of arrangement that you don't get in songs anymore. It's really like a one chorus section and then a refrain. Mm. Um and that's also what I loved about what I love about a lot of their songs. I mean, they do have a lot of pre-choruses too, but they have that like very classic arrangement in a lot of their songs. Yeah, yeah. So I presume I always ask guests what they wanted to be when they was at school. I imagine music was very much on the radar. Yeah, absolutely. It was the only thing really. I sort of, um, I, I look. I mean, I, I always say I got. I'm, I am talented and I work hard but I'm here because I got lucky as fuck I mean I, I really got lucky um and I then you know worked my ass off to stay in a position where I can write songs for people but I don't know what I would have done because music was the only thing and it was I I, I didn't eat you know I, I dabbled as an artist and I was signed to um to to Jay-Z's Rock Nation and made albums but I think it was always just writing songs it was never performing um, but I knew from four years old, like literally that that is what I wanted to do. I wanted to, to write songs and I had no idea how that was going to happen. Were you always confident in your abilities? Yeah. In a, in an ignorant and arrogant way. Absolutely. Which I think is like, again, important because it's such a, it's like people say you have to have a thick skin, but it's not even that it's like you, you have to be absolutely relentless and have no backup plan in a stupid way. Like I really look back and I'm concerned <laughs> that like things could have gone south very quickly, yeah. but um, thank God they didn't. But yeah, no, no, no backup plan whatsoever. That was, it was going to be music or nothing. So leaving school at 16, um, what, where, where was the first port of call career wise? <laughs> I'd say what the, the thing that allowed my parents, so I think to let me leave was that I got, we had a family friend who uh, was a manager, had an artist signed to Warner called Keisha White. Um, and he sort of 
took me on a, on a kind of development deal. Um, and I, at that stage I was doing a lot. I was going to Sweden at 16 and working with these like cool producers who were doing a lot of, um, sort of, you know, American pop at the time. Um, so, you know, I was, I, I wasn't leaving to nothing. I was kind of leaving to this almost like apprenticeship yeah. deal situation, um, that obviously quickly fizzled out and fell to shit. But, um, you know, that, I think that gave my parents the confidence to let me go and try it out. And then it was pretty obvious that I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to go and do A-levels or anything. Yeah. I'll take but, it you've always been super driven. Um, you know what, like, the, I've always been lazy, and I'm, but I'm aware <laughs> of lazy. Like, it's really bad. And I, but I spent 10 years, like, between 16 and 26, I wasn't doing a hell of a lot. I, re, I, I was definitely doing my, my 10,000 hours, or maybe 20,000 in my case, um, and just making music the whole time. But, you know, was never driven to push myself or to, to make any of the music go anywhere and it was really when I met my my manager Mark um who is like the antithesis of me he's the he's the really like driven and strategic one and it was the combination of both of us that that then things really started happening okay well I've got sort of one more in the the formative years and for track four I'm going to ask you Sam to tell me the first song you remember buying from a record shop please so this was Ready or Not by the Fugees. I also bought the score, the whole album, the same day. I think it was in the Woolworths in Pinner. I probably got some Pick and Mix as well. Shout out Woolworths Pick and Mix. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) It was an island within a shop, wasn't it? Of just sweets. Just sweets. Probably most of them were stale. Definitely, definitely nicked a few before putting them in the bag. I got I got a mad little story about Woolworths Pick a Mix, which I don't ever really get a chance to, to mention it. But you've said it, so I'm going to say it. Right, I oh. used to kind of um, travel around the country with um, the, one of the lads that was in the Inbetweeners, like as he would DJ, and I, I would oh, go amazing. around the, the, the clubs with him. And uh, and at this point, um, Woolworths had just gone under and had just <laughs> switched to online. Uh, and at the time, I think in between, it was like the biggest show on, 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 on like, you know, on the TV for, for, for young audiences. And they reached out to him and said, look, will you do like the voiceover for the, the new Woolworths ad? And, uh, and I don't know what they paid him, but part of the deal was unlimited pick mix delivered to his door whenever. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> I know. Unbelievable. I was like, sign up for that, mate. That's incredible. That's and there's a strange crossover in our two stories because a lot of the in-betweeners was filmed in Pinner and a lot of it was filmed in the pub behind that Woolworths where I bought those CDs. So there oh, you go. Really? Yeah. Full circle again. I also have a podcast with the guy that played Neil in the Inbetweeners. We have a podcast where we talk oh, no about way. our love of mixed martial arts. Yeah. Oh, quite amazing. Weird. That's brilliant. <laughs> I love the influence. <clears throat> um, so, yeah, sorry, you was talking about, uh, we just went off on a tangent about pick mix but you, you mentioned uh, Ready or Not by the Fugees. Yeah, and and the score. And I think I actually, if I'm, I probably remember all of them, uh, but I bought, I remember going in and buying like a load of CDs and I bought Space, do you remember that band? Neighbourhood, the album? Yeah. With the spiders on the front. Oh, no, it was called Spiders, that album, was it? Oh, was spiders, a single, yeah. Um. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. 
quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. And I bought one more. I think it was like Manic Street Preachers or something. But yeah, I remember the the, the Fuji, the, the score is like still in my top 10. It's such an amazing album. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that on the CDs. Shame they're gone now. Absolutely. I mean, just the fact that you've just reminisced and you could remember where you bought them and what you bought on that day, them kind of journeys. And I don't know if you was like me, but I'd then get home and, you know, as I listened to it, I would just devour the album artwork and just read yeah. every single note on there. Exactly. You'd read the lyrics whilst you listen to the songs and you'd read the thank yous. And like, yeah. it, I used to read like who wrote them and who played mm guitar on them and stuff yeah it's amazing it's again you've that's no more so as you got you know uh older and and i guess probably you know had a few more quid in your pocket would would record shopping and 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 you know record stores become like important places for you uh, well, it did in another sense, because uh, around the time that I left school, I was also like garage was like the big thing. Mm. And all my mates were listening to it. And I sort of, because of making music, I stumbled into like a an em- embarrassing garage crew and was, uh, might have been an MC. I can't really remember the details, but uh, I used to go. You're being well sketchy about that. That's really not my <laughs> proudest part of my music but, um, I used to go and, and play in clubs and I, I had decks and me and my mate would go to Watford to like a proper record store and we'd buy like, that's that became the thing that I'd save up for. And I'd buy like garage and drum and bass vinyls and like like properly, you know, trove through these boxes of secondhand stuff. And that that was like an incredible memory because it was... It was a bit like going to Woolworths, but in a in a like audio far away, and like yeah. really just having to research and find someone out, you know, someone in Essex who had a copy of like a Ronnie size vinyl, yeah. I could go and pay like eighty quid for or something. <laughs> you'd always would have like the, the, the there was the two different you had the human uh the 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 a human traffic kind of dude didn't you that that would literally like <laughs> bend you over for like 60 quid for some record yeah, uh, yeah. and you'd always have the uh the kind of the jack black from uh high fidelity kind of elitist guy as well that would sort of sneer at your purchases them guys are <laughs> now independent record shops that sort of you know they're few and far between i want to know what world these people operate in now and what they do for oh, themselves <laughs> i know i was really sad to see black market records go it used to be yeah, on the yeah man that was i used to so i also used to put on drum and bass raves and i used to book nikki black market all the time and um i just i it was when i went back recently it probably closed down 10 years ago or something but i noticed when i went back there recently to soho i was like oh my god where's it gone and it's that was yeah. such a important part of drum and bass culture that shop absolutely absolutely well that leads us on nicely to track five sam and i'm going to ask you uh, ah. to tell me the song that soundtracked your years clubbing please this is really weird this is all very symbiotic i think is the word it's like so this song is pulse x by youngster and youngster used to work in the garage section of black market records so there you go <laughs> wow is this youngster that was at rinse yeah i think so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. rinse right. fx yeah uh, he yeah and it was it was youngster but it was also i think his crew was called musical mob from part royal um and that record was, it was the first, because my, my sort of years clubbing were, were at that stage, like going to, to under 18s raves and like DJing and MCing and then putting on my own raves. Um, and that track was the first song that I remixed on Fruity Loops. Um, and I went at the time, there was a place called Music House in Tottenham Hale. 
where you could go and press a dub plate. So I went with my mate, like two terrified boys to the middle of Tottenham Hale. And it was like Tottenham Hale was real in that, in that era. Yeah. And uh, we went to the back of this estate to this little studio. And as we walked in, the whole of um, Pay As You Go cartel were there who were like our heroes at the time. And like Dizzy Rascal was there and Wiley and Major Ace and like everyone. Um, and we pressed that dub play and they all came into the room to listen to my remix and then walked out pretty quickly because I think it was shit. But, <laughs> <laughs> but every time I hear that, it reminds me of like Destiny in Watford, which was the club we used to play at or area. The other one. You, you talk about walking in the room and seeing, you know, people that you had admiration for and, you know, you, you was in there theoretically doing the same as what they were doing you know creating stuff and and you know i'm i'm making music um as how do you deal with and or do you have to deal with imposter syndrome in what you do oh god it's like honestly it's a real thing i think of the whole time and it's not i i um i i I think someone said to me the other day, it was like a really clever line about like people being confident in parties. It was like, whenever you go to a party and you feel unconfident, realize that 90% of the people around you also feel really unconfident. Um, And it's this, it's something that, especially in my industry where I find myself working with really young people the whole time, I'm not, I'm I'm 35. So I'm not, I'm not old, but I'm not young. Um, but I'm working with 18 to 20 year olds sometimes. And like, there's a lot of that, that confidence issue comes into the light hole. Well, do they, do they think I'm really old? Do they think everything I'm suggesting is like a granddad's idea? And like, that's my form of imposter syndrome, but being aware of it and being aware that no one really actually thinks that, and they probably have their whole own set of insecurities. um, That sort of makes me, see it for what it is it's just it's just another form of insecurity and everyone like i my mate um steve robson is this amazing sing uh, songwriter and producer and we i remember being in once years and years ago with this guy shit i can't remember his name he won x factor at the time um and i I don't think he did much sadly afterwards but we did off his first session after winning the show sorry annoying dog outside um and I remember him, like, visibly, he was shitting himself as he walked in. We weren't, like, even, I, you know, I certainly wasn't a big name. Um, and Steve was like, don't worry, mate, we're all bluffing. Like, I thought that was such a good line. It's so yeah. true. We all, however good you think you are or put yourself across as, everyone is bluffing. Everyone really thinks they're shit. I can give you the ultimate reality check, right? So what happened... Um, I- I run a club in Essex and have done for 30 years. And, oh, uh, which and one? I've probably been there. It's called the Pink Toothbrush. And uh, <laughs> it's, 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 it's the longest running uh, sort of alternative club in, in the UK. It's, like, it's, got, oh, some, it's got some some history to it. Uh, it used to be called Crocs before then. And uh, it often sort of pops up in the new romantic kind of documentaries because Depeche Mobra had resident band and, oh, and stuff like that. So yeah, it's got kind of lots of kind of history and, 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 and stuff yeah. like that attached to it. But so I've, I've worked there forever and, uh, <laughs> and I was uh, occasionally still DJ and, and I was DJing just before lockdown. I was telling someone else on this podcast this a little while ago. Um, and, and this, this kind of young uh, girl came up to the DJ booth and was just like, are you, are you Stu with And I was like, yeah. And I thought, Wow, still got it. Like, still got it. And she went, oh, you went to school with my mum. She said to say hello. <laughs> now you just think, there you go. There's your reality check right there. So, <laughs> just like, yeah, tell her I said hello. I was like, oh, fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> um, okay, well, look, let's take you home. Track six, a favourite song from an artist from your home county, please, Sam. Um, so this, uh, I could have, now I think of it, I think I read it as home country. But That's my home okay. Country... You're, you're, you'll be the 330th of the 350 people that I've interviewed that have done that. So, uh, well, now yeah. that I know it's county, I'll give you two. So okay. my home country, I said um, Jealous by Labyrinth, and he's a really good mate of mine. He came over for a swim a couple of weeks ago, and I told him then that this, I think, 
it might actually be one of my like truly one of my favorite songs of all time up there with like god only knows and like it's i think it's the best the best pop song of our age and it's so interesting because it was not successful and it didn't chart and if you go on spotify now i don't know the exact number but it's probably got about 600 million streams and it's just one of the most like referenced songs in every writing session it is a work of pure genius and i i tell him that the whole time i literally think it's one of the best songs ever yeah um but home county would obviously be elton because we literally he grew up about three streets away from where i grew up um so what is my favorite elton song haven't even thought about that so it's gonna take a while i don't know my favorite one i listened to um i was listening to honky chateau the other day oh has that got um uh mona lisa's and mad hatters on it Exactly the one I was going to say. Yeah. Fuck me, Sam. I was literally having that on my earphones when I had a run this morning. What really? a fucking record that is. Incredible. Absolutely. From Bernie and Elton, like just a masterpiece. And it's weird because it sits on an album with like Honky Cat and yeah. what else is on there? Is is Benny and the Jets on that album? Might be. Uh, Might not be. Maybe I'm really. But incredible incredible song um and not like not one of his most referenced yeah. songs really. i think so i worked with him which was the most like one of the great moments of my life we spent like a week together in the studio and at the time he there was this tribute album going on and i think maron morris did a version of that song i might be getting this completely wrong um but i remember saying to him i was like that song because I, like, I sort of, I was having a big fanboy week, and I sort of didn't want to say, "Oh, I love your song," or "I love like Daniel." But those, it's for me always been that one. It's there's a song called Tonight. I can't even remember what album it's on, and it's got like a three minute classical piano intro, and, and George Michael actually did an incredible version of it as well. Um, and then I love Sacrifice, which is really nice because it's part of that new uh, the Dua Lipa song that's out the the collab. Yeah thing at the moment um but yeah that would be my home county song tell me about the the experience of being in the studio of elton john like because not many people can ever kind of say that and talk about that like i mean i I presume you know taking nothing away from your achievements was there a bit of imposter syndrome how the fucking hell is this happening right now moment yeah Especially when, like, on one of the days uh, on the train up, I wrote loads of lyrics on my phone and gave them to him. And I was like, well, if Bernie can do it, maybe I can do <laughs> lyrics. <laughs> like, suddenly realised they were awful. And, uh, yeah, 100%. But, I mean, it's a weird one because that's more of, like, a, I felt like it was like a red letter day like someone had bought me like an experience day to go in with someone like it just made no sense because I'd literally spent all of my life worshipping him especially because we'd you know we'd grew up in the same town yeah and that was like a big part of our relationship because he he was he's obsessed with Pinner the place that we grew up and it's obviously such a a strange place for him and so many different memories but um we bonded on that a lot and we wrote some cool stuff. It was with the band Clean Bandit. Um, and I don't, they, they never ended up putting any of it on the album, but I, I thought there was some cool stuff in there. But um, there was a moment where we were sitting uh, in the studio and I was sitting next to him on, at the piano and he played like a medley of all the hits. Shut up. Just literally me and him in the room. Wow like 10 minutes and I was I'm sitting on the piano stool with him whilst he's doing this and it was just like uh, you know you, it's always when you reminisce about it that you get chills but that was like a truly like I can't believe what's happening that's incredible mate yeah it was it was a good moment it was a good day right okay final track Sam uh this is where you play Tastemaker a song that you think many people may not know that you would like them to hear, please? So I chose BTSTU edits, because there are two versions of it, um, by Jay Paul or Jai Paul. Um, 
And this, it's been around for a while and loads of people do know it, but they might not know that they know it. Um, and lots of people won't know it because it's a very tastemaker song. But he is, the, is just such a fascinating artist to me. And it's so rare. He's, a, he's the world's most reluctant artist. He's actually like a ghost. No, I don't know anyone who's ever seen him. I saw him once um, because I had a studio at Rack Studio and my next door neighbour was Disclosure and Jimmy Napes. And he did a session with them for their Caraca album and the song never made the album. But I remember standing on the banisters, like looking down just to see Jay Paul, who was just this like, no one sees him. And I did see him and it was like this, the most unassuming guy in the world. But it's rare, it's so rare to find a reluctant artist and someone who doesn't give a shit about being famous or being recognised or anything. They just make music. And he, this song, I was in New York when I heard it first. It's probably 10 years ago. I don't even know when it came out. And... Um, it was literally like nothing I'd ever heard before. It still kind of is every time I listen to it. It doesn't sound like anything you would have ever heard. And I think maybe that's part of, that explains part of the character of someone who just yeah. doesn't think in the same way we think. Um, and it was literally like, it's it's not even mixed. The song's like distorted and weird and rambling. And it's it's unreal. You have like, it's the closest thing to like art in yeah. in in terms of music that I think you would have heard in, in recent times. Well, people can get to hear it because uh, we put a Spotify playlist together, Sam, to accompany the podcast where we're, uh, ah, we'll put amazing. all the tracks that we've had a natter about today on there. Um, Sam, we're recording this uh, a couple of weeks into December and uh, I imagine this, uh, this will come out probably just the other side of Christmas. And so we've, you know, 2022 uh, just around the corner what are you looking forward to from next year personally and what's going to be happening professionally? Um, I am, I'm looking forward to like getting back into the real world because that hasn't been happening for, for a while. And does that, does uh, that exist in LA? <laughs> oddly. I mean, I think it's the same everywhere. I think everyone's just like, all right, I can't be bothered anymore. Let's just go to a party or let's just go. Maybe whether that's sensible or not with the, uh, yeah. we'll that will remain to be seen but i'm looking forward to sort of I mean, we've missed the travel aspect of of our jobs and i'm looking forward to going back to nashville and going to miami and making music there and i'm just i'm just at this really cool place now i've like you know i've had my third my third kids and uh we just moved into a new house and sort of building a new studio and i'm just looking forward to just getting back to some form of normality and like feel, but I, it's, I don't know. I'm not a very emotional person or a very, um, you know, but I, some, you know, I think now I suddenly realized that I'm at a really great place and I'm very, as I said at the beginning, like it's, it's mainly just because I got really, really lucky in life and got a few breaks. Yeah. Um, but I've got a great family and I live really nicely and get to do my hobby for a job, which still yeah. makes sense to me. So, Well, you, you make your own luck as well. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so don't, don't, you know, necessarily, you know, write it off because you do make your own luck. And, uh, and yeah, yeah. What about professionally? What's happening? Um, professionally, I'm looking for, so we've, you know, my main focus has been, my label chosen people that I run with, with Mark, my partner. Um, and I'm just, I can't wait to like really go properly with our artists and Elena Castillo, who's our main artist. And I feel like she's going to have an amazing year and must to properly be able to exploit that, you know, live has been something that hasn't happened. Like yeah. live performances is such an integral part of an artist's development and I can't wait to be able to just get her out on the road. And, and um, you know, there are some really cool people that I'm like, I'm working with. I'm working with one band in particular in January who, sadly, I can't name, but they're like one of my favourite bands and I've been desperate to work with them my whole career. So that's going to be fun. And so 
obviously you can't say anything now, but when it happens, I'm sure uh, you'll be uh, shouting from the rooftops about it. So to ensure that people don't miss out on that, where's the best place for, for people to follow you and, and keep up to speed with what you're up to? So my Instagram is this is Romans. Um, and I'm awful with social media, which I'm sure won't come to a shock, come as a shock to most people. But um, I do, I put, I usually post like new releases of songs that I've written on that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, what we do when this comes out, we tag you in it so, uh, so people can go and explore uh, your work further if they haven't done already. Sam, it's been delightful talking records with you, mate. Oh, Thank you so much. Dude. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And it's nice talking to an Englishman again. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, thanks, man. There you go. Didn't want that one to finish. Like we had a, we had another little natter afterwards. Um, I think Sam was. Uh, he, he said before we press recorded. You know, uh, he was. Uh, he's obviously out in LA. He said it was just nice to hear a, a voice that that that, that was English and, and sounded from home. And uh, you know, I, I mean, you know, if you're looking forward to or you're enjoying listening to this voice, this lispy old Essex twang, you really must be missing home. Um, but he was, um, well, I don't need to tell you he was delightful because you just listened. He was, um, such a nice guy. Fucking hell. Like sharing a piano store while Elton just rattles off his greatest hits. Like whoever gets to experience something like that, what a moment, you know? Um, and yeah, you know, I mean, there was so many names that, that Sam could have dropped in this about the people that he's worked with and, yeah, go and explore. You know the the work that he's done because it's uh, it's prolific and it's incredible. Um, and yeah, and it's always nice when you meet these people and they're just double humble and just friendly and cool. I'm back next time. In the meantime, if you want to head over and uh, and check out everything else you need to know about the pod, you can do that uh, off the beat and track podcast dot com. Other than that, just stay beautiful, and I'll see you next time. Much love. Bye-bye. It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. It me, Stu Whipping. Eat it, boy.